Thank you for joining us for today's message. We are always encouraged to know how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please send us an email and let us know at mystory@jfc.org. Also, if you'd like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at jfc.org forward slash give and help us bring messages just like this one to you every week. Today's message is from our series, Famous Last Words. In this series, we will discuss the final words Jesus spoke while on the cross. Open your hearts for what God wants to speak to you today. this week. Um, had to have a procedure done on my back, an injection. Um, I don't know if it was playing sports when I was younger. That's what I like to think. But it's probably from the weight I put on when I was older that I started having the problems. But every once in a while when it gets bad, um, one of the things they can do is do an injection into the vertebrae. And, um, and, it, and it really helps a lot. And uh, I had gone to see the doctor, scheduled it for this last Tuesday. Uh, and it was a was a merciful situation in that the shot, the needle's about this long, but they knock you out to, uh, to do the procedure, and I was grateful for that. I was like, you bet, man, knock me out. They said, you won't remember any of it. And I'm like, perfect. Getting ready for the procedure, I've got on that wonderful hospital gown and that beautiful hat that they put on you, and um, I'm shivering away. And in walks the anesthesiologist, and I don't know if you've ever had this experience, Someone is coming towards you, and you recognize them, but you can't remember what their name is or where you know them from. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah, most of us. And so I'm, I'm thinking, where do I know this woman from? Why do I know her? And before I can get the words out of my mouth, do I know you, she says to me, don't I know you? <laughs> now, because I'm a pastor, my default is to always think they must go to my church. So I said to her, Um, When she said, don't I know you? I said, do you go to my church? She said, I'm a Buddhist. I don't think so. (laughs) And I said, how do you know? No, I did not. Um, um, So it actually kind of like, so so how then would we cross paths with each other? Part of town you live in? Do I know your husband? Where's the connection? Couldn't come up with it. She couldn't. I couldn't. So then I just began to think, God, it was so real for both of us. Maybe the Holy Spirit's just trying to cross paths in something right here. So now I'm looking for why. Why did I meet this person? Why do I recognize this person? Why is there a 
commonality between us that we're trying to connect here. So I'm trying to find the inroad, and I don't know how good you are at that. I'm not always great at it. So here was my big opening line, why are you a Buddhist? <laughs> how long have you been one? Just trying to find a commonality. And she said about 10 years, and I said, why? And she said, because I lacked peace and I desperately needed it. And it's just as an outreach to her, I said, I know a lot of people that lack peace have looked in that area and found peace in their lives. But now I'm hoping, because she knows I'm a pastor, that she'll grace me and ask me, why do you do what you do? If you ever wanted somebody to ask you a question, you can't get them to do it. <laughs> I am trying every which way I possibly can to connect with this woman and get her to ask me the question. And I so want to share the hope that's in my heart. And I'm just thinking, you know, I, I graced you to do it. Grace me. Give me the opportunity to be able to tell you the hope that's inside of me. And she will not do it for nothing. So she's going through her checklist. When is the last time you ate and you drank? And are you allergic? And I'm like, I want to talk to you about Jesus. And she's like, uh, this procedure will be quick. And I'm like, come on and ask me. And just can't get there. A few minutes goes by and they wheel me back into the room where they actually do the procedure. And right when I get, uh, get in there, another nurse walks by the door, looks in, and she goes, hey, that's my pastor. <laughs> so I looked at the anesthesiologist and I said, that's why I assumed you go to my church. That happens to me all the time. I said, it's just a natural thing. Ah. And she goes, do you like being a pastor? <laughs> <laughs> So I started this conversation with her, and then she said to me, um, she said, are you one of those megachurch pastors? Do you fly around on a jet? Are you on the television? <laughs> now, I'm just going to confess to you. Um, I didn't say this, but I wanted to. I wanted to say, are you one of those mega hospital doctors? <laughs> and I said, no, I'm not. I'm a small church pastor. Um, fly commercial when I fly. <laughs> And um, I said, but let me tell you why I'm a pastor. I said, you mentioned the peace that you lacked. I said, my story's a little bit different in that I experienced the love of God in my life that so changed my heart that I can't help loving people the way that God loved me, and that's why I'm a pastor. She kind of stands there in an awkward silence. How do you respond to that? And she loaded up my shot with the stuff that was about to <laughs> knock me out. <laughs> and this is what she said. Are those your final words? <laughs> and I said, that's it. She said, good night. <laughs> Never saw her again. As insignificant as that moment was, I'm not dying. It's not life or death. My words probably didn't stick in her head longer than just just the time it took me to say them. But as insignificant as it was, it mattered so much to me that I said the right thing if it was going to be the last thing that she heard me say. I wanted it to have weight to it. I wanted it not to just be something silly or something superficial. I wanted it to really ring. I wanted to tell her what I really thought and felt. Amen. And if that's true on a very <laughs> insignificant issue, like a back procedure, how much more is it true when Jesus in the very last moments of his life makes three statements, knowing that it's life and death, and knowing what he says is going to carry great weight with us. If it was true for me in a 
nonchalant way, it was deeply true for Christ when he leaves us his last few words before he gives up his life for us. Uh, The three statements. The first one was, Father, forgive them. So a couple of weeks ago, I taught on the importance of forgiveness. And here's the only thing that I would remind you of. Forgiveness must be such a critically important issue in our lives that Jesus would take the time while dying to teach us about forgiveness. It must be a life and death issue. And that's why he taught us about it. Uh, The next thing that he taught, um, he asked the Father when he was going through the pain of the cross, um, how unbearable it must have been. He cries out loud, my God, my God, why? Last week I just simply taught that there's sometimes in life where all we can do is ask God, why? Why'd this happen? Why'd it go this way? But a greater question is not the why question, it's the how question. How can you use this and how can you get glory out of this and how can you once again turn it for good when the devil meant it for evil? The why question can leave you stuck because God doesn't always feel compelled to answer. And even if he does, we don't always understand it. But the how question, it opens you up to possibilities. You can move forward. This weekend, I think maybe the most significant and important of the three statements that Jesus made is the one we'll talk about this weekend. And it's simply the last three words he spoke before he gave up his spirit. And it's the words, it is finished. So just real quick, let me tell you where I want to go with this. And this is just... Um, to compel you a little bit. What does he mean? And who's he talking to? I mean, he said it out loud, so he's got to be talking to somebody. Jesus is intentional with everything he did. Here's what he said of himself. I don't do anything and I don't say anything unless I've seen the Father do it and heard the Father say it. So Jesus never acts independent, rogue, or in the moment. He knows exactly what he's doing. So every statement he made was said with the knowledge that this has weight to it, it's important, and it's going to make a difference. Father, forgive them. My God, my God, why? And finally, it is finished. What does it mean, and who's he talking to? When I studied on this a little bit and just looked it up, it's actually an accounting term. I'm not an accountant. It's not my forte. But it actually means paid in full. Paid in full. So Jesus is saying out loud, with his death, paid in full. Let me just ask this question, see if I can help you identify. Have you ever had a bill and you finally got it marked paid in full? Come on now. <laughs> so let me ask you, how good does it feel? <laughs> so this, this is the fourth service. I've got one more after this. Everybody's responded well to that question except... Second service last night, I said, have you ever had a bill paid in full? Not one person responds. I'm like, the agony you must be living in. (laughs) Paid in full to have the debt taken care of. Uh, Real quickly, you know Jesus didn't know anything. Jesus didn't do anything wrong. Jesus isn't paying for his own sin. Jesus didn't mess up. Jesus is not saying it is finished because he's taking care of what he did. When he says it is finished and paid in full, he's talking on our behalves. He did it for us. I heard a guy say it this way one time, and I thought it was really a clever way to encapsulate what Jesus did. Uh, He got what we deserved so we could have what he deserved. He took our death and we get his life. Gosh, almost too good to be true. Almost unbelievable. So what does he mean, paid in full, 
Jesus didn't owe, we owed. He took care of it for us. If you've got a pen or a pencil, I'll give you uh, three things that I want you to remember today. They're easy, they're quick. I won't spend a lot of time on them. Um, if you learn best by writing it down, which that's how I remember stuff, I want you to do that. If you want to use the version notes online, that's great. And if you learn just by listening, however is best for you. But let me tell you who I think Jesus was talking to. And by the way, let me say this so that, um, so that it's clear. There's no place in the Bible that says for sure who he was talking to. I can't prove to you this is who it was. But I can just give you some evidence. He's saying it out loud because he wants somebody to hear it. And I think these are the three people that he's making the statement to. It is finished. The first one is just simply, if you've got a pen or a pencil, the father. I think he's talking to his father. I think he's saying to his father, I did it. I finished the work that you had for me. I didn't give up. I wanted to quit. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus is crying out, my God, if it's possible, take this away from me. Not what I want, though, what you want. He was willing to go through it. As hard as it was, as much as it hurt, everything that it cost him, he knew what the plan was, and he was willing to go through it, and he was doing it partly because he was pleasing to the Father. Now, here's what I know. I have five children. And this is sort of true of my girls, but it's really true of my boys. My boys want to have my approval in their life, and they're all adults. They did their taxes a couple of weeks ago. One of them calls me just to tell me, Dad, I did it. I got some money coming back. Aren't you proud of me? I'm like, if you knew what I was paying this year, you wouldn't be asking me that question. One of my kids is special needs, 31 years old and lives with us. <laughs> For Easter, he took his money, and here's getting dressed up for him. He went and bought a big T-shirt that says Jesus on it. <laughs> and he wore it last night so everybody could see it. And on the way home, Chris and he stopped at Target, and he went inside with his T-shirt on, and somebody made a snide remark to him. Told him that that's a controversial T-shirt. He doesn't have a filter. Some of you like the apple does not fall far from the tree then, does it, <laughs> pastor? He tries to respond back in a way to tell the person that he's wearing it because Jesus loves them. And this is about Easter and Jesus died. He's trying to imagine, imagine how difficult the conversation is when you can talk well and imagine how hard it is when you can't. But he comes home and the first thing he does is he seeks me out and he said, Dad, this guy said this about my t-shirt, but I told him how much Jesus loved him. Are you proud of me? Oh, son. I was proud of you before you ever put the t-shirt on. <laughs> the same way that my children feel and want from me, I want you to know, man, the human side of Jesus experienced before his father, are you proud of me? If you don't think Jesus thought that way, at his baptism, when he came up out of the Jordan, this happened. The heavens opened. God spoke and he said these three things to Jesus. This is my son that I love and with him I am well pleased. You bet Jesus knew the connection and the approval of his father. And at the most significant moment of his life, the first person I think he talks to is the father. Do you approve of what I did, dad? And I love that. And I get that. And if you think, maybe, Pastor, that's too emotional. Jesus didn't think that way. Uh, look at the scripture from John's gospel. Jesus is actually praying a prayer, talking to the Father. And here's what he says. I brought you, 
I brought glory to you, speaking of God, so I brought glory to you, Father, here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Jesus totally thought in terms of making sure that his father was pleased with what he did. So I think the first person he speaks to in this situation is to his father, and he wants his father to know, I didn't give up, it was difficult, it was hard, but I did it to bring glory to you and to complete the task that you gave me here on earth. And let me just do this real quick. What do you think Jesus' job on earth was? This is not exhaustive, it's not complete, I wouldn't have the time. Let me just give you a couple things that Jesus um, was assigned to do on earth. One, he was assigned to seek and save that which is lost. He didn't come for healthy He came for those who needed him. And let me just ask the question, how many of you need him? And if you don't realize that, man, you have have an unrealistic expectation of where we are in life. Uh, If God's level of perfection is perfection, 100%, how many times do you have to blow it to not be perfect? Let me do it slower. I'll I'll hold my (laughs) finger up. So to not be perfect, you only have to blow it. How many of you have done that today? (laughs) When they wouldn't let you in the sanctuary when you wanted to get in or they made you sit in the middle part or the poor people downstairs eating Krispy Kreme right now. (laughs) I drove in this morning. I got here a little early and parked across the street to save some spaces inside. And I, I didn't get through the neighborhood quick enough. And one of the people who live in the neighborhood was behind me. And I was trying to figure out where to pull over. You ever been behind that person? So have I. I hate being that person. But I wasn't quite fast enough. And so the guy gave me the lone tree salute as he passed by. You're not like, what is that? Ask on the way home. Even in simple situations like that, and we can laugh about that, but we blow it all day long, man. And we judge our stuff. Maybe it's not that bad, but if the goal is perfection and God is perfect, he can't wink at that stuff. It has to be taken care of. good friend of mine is Dan DeMay. If you go to church here, he's my right-hand man. Uh, Dan and I have completely different personalities. Uh, Dan is a great administrator, kind of runs the day-to-day stuff. Um, you know, I, I throw out ideas and thoughts, and let's do this and let's do that. And, and Dan's like, well, here's how it really works. You know, I'm dreams and he's process. <laughs> uh, Dan, Dan's one of my favorite people. Uh, Dan does have a major character flaw, though. Dan uh, could not keep his foot out of the accelerator when he drives the car. And he's on a first-name basis with probably all of the police in Douglas County. <laughs> Dan tells this really great story. about truth and judgment and mercy and grace. And this is a true story. I happened to be watching Nine News a few years ago when they were doing an expose on road rage. And so they had a cameraman from Nine News riding along with a cop, like, like the show Cops. And they're ready to do a live broadcast. So they're driving south on I-25 by Lincoln and they're looking for someone who's tailgating and causing road rage. And it only took them maybe a minute to find someone. So the cop turns his lights on and from the left lane pulls the car all the way over to the right lane to the shoulder. The cop gets out, the cameraman gets out, and they go up and they stand there looking down in the window and on live TV it's Dan DeMay. 
And I'm like, Chris, come here. I've got to see this. <laughs> Did you program the DVR? Please tell me we got this over. <laughs> and Dan is trying to tell the cop. Well, I wasn't following that close. But the problem is when they have it on tape, man, they're, you're, you're dead to rights. And the cop, I think, um, because of the expose, was just like, there's no warning, you're going to get a ticket. And Dan got a fat ticket, and it had been one of several, so he had to go to court. So he stands in front of the judge, and the judge just asks the simple question, did you do this? And there's no out. They got you. He did it. Not only did he do it, but it's caught on tape for everybody to see, and he can't deny it, so Dan does what I think you and I would do, and instead of arguing, he just said, I did it. And the judge said, then justice is you owe this fine right here and you lose this many points. And this is the truth. Dan got what he deserved. He broke the law and he did it. Now, you can argue and you can try to justify, but the truth of the matter is it really did happen. But then Dan connects this really powerful thought. That's justice. And sometimes when you say things like, I didn't get what I deserved, you need to be grateful you didn't get what you deserved. Because if we all got what we deserved, it would be justice. But here's mercy. When the judge takes his robe off and walks around the front of the bench and pulls out his own wallet and pays the fine for you, justice was satisfied, but mercy was applied. And so you can be guilty, but someone else pays your price and you go free. And that way, justice is not winked at and ignored, but nor is the penalty something that you and I can't pay. Somebody else took our place. Sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? And that's exactly what Jesus did for us. If you want to know the truth, if we all get what we deserved, we've all sinned, fallen short of God's glory, we've all gone our own way, you just agreed with me. To not be perfect, you only have to blow it once. And then all we do is just rationalize our sin. I'm not as bad as the next person. But if the standard is holiness and perfection, we all fall short. And none of us can pay the price. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is life. So judged guilty, but paid for by the judge. Now what a deal. So let me give you the second one real quick. I think he was talking to the Father. I think he was also talking out loud to the devil. Now, I can't prove it, but I just believe this because I think the reason he's saying it out loud is to let the enemy know you're done. You're defeated. Hey, a brief history of creation and the place we live. God created it, put people in it to watch over it and to guard it and told them, here's the only thing you can't do. Stay away from the knowledge of good and evil. And as soon as God turned his back... That's exactly what mankind did. We did our own thing. We went our own way and we broke fellowship with him and we couldn't fix it. God's plan then was to send Jesus to be the repairer of what was broken between us and him. Jesus did that and now all that's left, if you want it, is to be reconciled to God. Part of God's work was to take away the authority. God gave us the authority. We gave it to the devil and Jesus came to take it back and to give it to us again. And if you understand what Christ has done for you, you don't have to put up with all of the stuff the devil does to you. You have the right to stand, and you have authority to overcome. I think he spoke out loud to the enemy, telling him, you're done, your dominion is over. 
you've been exposed and disarmed. Look at this scripture. When you were dead in your sins and in your uncircumcision of your flesh, your trespasses, God made you alive with Christ. So this is God doing this. You didn't do it. You didn't earn it. You didn't. God did this. God made you alive with Christ. And he forgave us. What's that next word? One more time. He forgave us all of our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, having, look at this part, having disarmed the powers and the authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. And here's what that means. Again, it's a word picture. Uh, in, in, in the Greek, it's the word affectduomai, which I know you're like, whatever. So just look at me real quick. Maybe it's better explained. If you've ever watched movies, maybe about uh, the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, World War I, II, any, any war where there is a, a commanding officer who disgraces himself. When they deal with that, he'll walk into the room with the epilepsy on and all of the medals. And whoever the commanding officer is, have you ever seen them when they reach up and they just they rip off the medals and they rip off the epilepsy and they, what, what they're doing is decommissioning him? And that's exactly what that word means. Here's what Jesus made the devil do. Stand in front of him and Jesus said, you are no longer in charge and you do not have the authority and ripped off of him. That's what it means to make him a public speckle. He embarrassed the enemy publicly by triumphing over him with the cross. You and I do not have to put up with the thief, the destroyer, the murderer. God has given us his place. Let me give you the last one. So he's talking to the Father. He's talking to the enemy. Uh, Last but not least, and this is probably the one that's easiest to rectify, I think he's talking to people. I think he's talking to us. I think he's saying out loud, paid in full, it is finished, it's done. You don't have to worry about this anymore. You don't have to try to earn this anymore. You don't have to try to figure out what you're going to do about it. I did it for you, it's done. I think he's talking to us. I think he's saying you're free. I think he's saying if you want to access this, it's available to you right now, not tomorrow, right now. I don't remember how many years ago this was. Maybe five, but it might be six. I can't remember exactly. I'm right at that age where I use computers to keep a lot of my books, but I also have this OCD condition (laughs) that I have to take a pen and paper and confirm that what the computer said is right. (laughs) It just... I don't know why I'm like that, but I just can't. It just bugs me. So when I reconcile my checkbook, I go online, and it's basically done it for me, but then I take my ledger and my pen and my calculator, and I go through it to make sure what I get is what they get. Because it bugs me. Five or six years ago, right in there, there was a $5,000 mistake in my checkbook. Why do people always assume it's on the negative side when you say that? Listen to this a $5,000 credit that I can't account for. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't have like $55,000 credits floating around. If I have an extra $5,000 credit, I know about it. What would you do if you had a $5,000 credit in your bank that you can't account for? Some would be like, take it out and move before they find me. <laughs> I, here's what I did. I was afraid to touch it. 
I knew they had made a mistake. I knew if I touched it, not only would they want the money, but they're going to want the penalty for touching the money. So I left it there. I figured they'll discover their mistake. Somebody, maybe a teller or an accountant somewhere made a mistake and put it in the wrong account. They'll catch it. A week goes by, nothing. Two weeks goes by, nothing. So I call the bank. And I tell the person on the telephone, listen, you guys have made a mistake and I need you to get this money out of there because it's bothering me. It's bugging me. I don't want it in there. And the guy's telling me, sir, that is your money. (laughs) And I wanted to believe him. Trust me, I wanted to believe him. But look at me real quick. We all know life doesn't work that way, does it? We hope it does, and we'd like to believe it does, but it doesn't work that way, so I left it. And another week goes by, and it's still there. So I go down to the bank, and I meet with the manager of the bank, and now I'm insisting, get this money out of my account. This is your money. And the guy's arguing, it is your money. We cannot take that money. We have no place to put that money. That is your money. Does that sound stupid or what? (laughs) Finally, this is what the guy says to me. He said, someone anonymously came in and wanted to give you that money. And I approved it. He said, that is your money. And I still was afraid to touch it because life doesn't work that way. Now, you want to know the end of the story? Chris and I had one of the best vacations we ever had in our life. (laughs) I spent that money without any hesitancy once I realized it really was mine. But you know what's funny? Life doesn't work that way. I'm 53, and it's the only time in my life that's ever happened. Life doesn't work that way. And then this is equally true. Jesus has given you something that makes the comparison of $5,000 look paltry and ignorant. He's given you life. He's given you grace and he's given you mercy. And he's not wanting to do it. He already did it and he put it in your account. And all he waits is for you to decide that you want to access what belongs to you through him. But people will sit here and argue with me that it just doesn't work that way. It's too good to be true. And in most cases, I agree. Except when it comes to heaven, he's that good. He's really that good. And if you have to know why, it's because he loves you. The Bible says that God loves so much that he sent Jesus that whosoever will believe gets the gift of eternal life. You don't earn it. You don't reform, you don't work hard, you don't join church, you don't become good. You don't even have to act nice. The question is, do you want to access it? I think most of my life is standing up trying to convince people, access what God has done for you. Instead of trying to go out and earn it and wearing yourselves out and trying to be better, get over that silly religious mistake. And access what God has done for you. Much better to live in grace than it is in works. Much better to access his love than to live in condemnation. Much better to have his promises 
than trying to figure out how to get him to give you promises. Guys, already put them in your account. And all you need to do is say yes. Simple message. I think easy to understand. And yet there's that get-off point in our brains. Life just doesn't work that way. It's just too good to be true. Yes. In this case, for this earth, it's too good to be true. And here's the good news. God is not of this earth. For this earth, it's too good to be true. But for God, it's not. What would you do with it? Do you want it? Jesus died, according to the scripture I read to you, for all sin. He doesn't have to come back and ever do it again. He died for all sin. But it's only applicable as we say, I want that. Otherwise, it just sits there. And as much as he's done this, it's a two-party issue. What he's done and what you want. So I'm not asking you, look at me real quick, if you want to join our church. And I'm not asking you if you need religion. And I'm not asking you if you want to reform. I'm asking you if you need to experience God's love, if you need his grace, if you want to be forgiven, if you want to be reconciled to him, if you want what he offers. Because it is a choice. I won't embarrass you. I won't make you stand up. I won't send you someplace. But I want to facilitate a decision right now between you and him, if you'll let me do that. So will you pray with me? Father, I need you to do what only you can do right now and take it beyond words. I've only got so many, and um, as a human, my ability is very limited. But God, you can do anything. And so right now, would you take this beyond concepts and ideas and thoughts, and would you put it deep in the heart of a person, and would you reveal to them right now their need for you? Would you reveal to them your love for them, your heart for them? God, would you help our brains right now to be able to listen to our spirits and to hear God tell us that he's chosen us, that he wants us, that he approves of us. So right now, look, it's just a yes or no. Right now in your heart, do you need that? Do you know that you know that you need God's grace and mercy? That you want to experience his love? That you need the life that he offers? That you're willing just simply to trust that he's taking care of it and you just are like, Pastor, if what you said is true, I want that. That's all I'm asking you. If that's you, would you say, John, when you pray, remember me in your prayers because I want to say yes to God right now. I want that love. I want that grace. I want that mercy. I need that relationship. You know in your heart. If that's you and you say, Pastor, pray for me, just slip your hand up right now. Just pray for me, John. Yep, 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 yep. You can put them back down. Put them back down. Okay, listen, I don't have some special pastor prayer that gets this done I'm just going to pray from my heart um, but if what I'm saying is what you want then here's what God wants you to do is just 
just say yes. Just from the sincerity of your heart, just say yes. That's, that's what I need. That's what I want. That's what I'm asking for. So, Father, for every man and woman who right now just recognizes their need for you, their need for your grace and your mercy, for your forgiveness, to be reconciled for relationship, God, for the life that you offer us. Father, whatever point of beginning that it is where people just recognize, I need that. God, don't let anything come in and derail that and spoil that. Right now, let people just focus on if it really is true that God loves me and chooses me and offers this to me, then I want to say yes to something that seems too good to be true. If that's your heart, just say yes to him. Yep. I just want to pray that as you agree that I need this and I want this, I just want to pray that the enemy will find no place to come in and steal that from you today. That you'll find this thing take root in your life. And that you'll really access what God has for you. I just want to pray God's mercy, His love, and His life on you. And I want to thank you for listening to me. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's the only other thing I have for you. Um, this is our book. We just call it Path of Life. And they're free. And if you met your decision today, I want to give this to you because I think it will be really helpful to you in what it means to access God's grace and access the life that he gives you. Um, but what I said is true. Nobody was watching and nobody knows how to give this to you because we don't, we don't do it that way. So what we're going to do at the exits at all of our campuses, people will be standing there and they'll just hold it up like this. And if you want it and you met your decision, just ask for it. They won't do anything strange to you. And um, Promise, promise. It's not a setup in any way. It's, it's just something that we want to give to you, and, and we, just, we, we want you to have this right here. And before you take off, all of our campus pastors are going to come right now and just uh, give you a dismissal. And um, I just want to wish you a happy Easter again, and I just want you to have a great weekend. Thank you very much.